BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is the Bill Press Show live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Well, here's something new. A Democrat who is not, not going to run for president. Terry McAuliffe, former governor of Virginia yesterday, making that announcement. He's going to focus on uh, turning Virginia blue rather than running for president. Uh, unexpected. He told people lately, he was, including me, he was <laughs> pretty sure he was going to run. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we go. On a Thursday, April 18, it is the Bill Press Show. Good to have you uh, with us. Good to have you part of the show. Thank you so much for joining us here on this Thursday. We all turn our cell phones off before we start, uh, except me. Uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome. I would have guessed that was a Trump tweet coming in. Oh, by That would be my guess. The, the first of 20 so far this yeah. morning. Uh Great to see you today. Thank you so much again for joining us. We've got lots and lots to talk about. Today is the big day. Anticipation building for release of the Mueller report. My advice is lower your expectations. We're not going to see the Mueller report. We're going to see Bob Barr's version of the Mueller report after he takes out all the juicy parts, all the parts that might in any way be critical of Donald Trump. What's left will be nothing but pap. Nothing but Barr's version of events, just like the four-page summary was that we saw uh, almost a month ago. And he's been uh, using his red pencil on the report itself for the last month. Uh, at any rate, we've got all of that to talk about and a whole lot more, in fact. New sanctions on Cuba. Get over it. Uh, we'll bring it all to you and look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day and how to do so. Send us comments on Twitter, at BP Show, on Twitter, at BP Show. Get ready to dive in, but first. This is the Full Court Press. All righty, just a couple of other stories making news. Now, you might not remember the name Josh Bratchley. Josh Bratchley, he is a professional scuba diver from Britain. He's one of the people who helped rescue the soccer team. 
And oh, that yeah, Tyler Cade. Oh, I know you, we, you. Now yes. we remember this guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, uh, he actually went to go diving in a very popular scuba diving spot called uh, uh, Mill Pond Cave in Jackson County, Tennessee. Uh, I actually know that area, weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. But he went diving there. And he got lost off of a line that they follow while you dive, and he himself needed to be rescued. I know. He, like, didn't learn any lesson. I I was going to say, don't you think that after doing what he did and handling the story that he did, the situation he he rescued? He was rescued. Oh, good. He's fine, by the way. Everything's fine. He he found an air pocket uh, where he could uh, survive there. He was awake. He was alert. He refused any sort of medical uh, assistance. He did say, though... I would like some pizza. He was hungry after the dive. Yeah, those kids wanted some pizza, too, when they got out of that cave. Yeah, seriously, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. You'd think and, he would have learned. And the thing is, this was a cave where you had to go underwater to get inside the cave, right? Yep. Yep. Just um, maybe ease up a little bit. You know, try bowling. <laughs> there are other ways. Are, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, I think Facebook might be trouble. Facebook oh, yesterday, yeah. they had to admit... That it had collected, this blows my mind, 1.5 million users email contacts without their consent. In other words, when you sign up. I'm glad I don't do Facebook. You should be glad you don't do Facebook. And if you're still active on Facebook, I just don't know what you're doing and what you're thinking. Because basically when you sign up for Facebook, you give them your email uh, to sign in and log in and all that stuff. But Facebook actually went in and collected all of these emails from users. Uh, now they had to admit that they unintentionally uploaded it to Facebook following a design change two years ago. They just recently noticed it and they are in the process of deleting all of these. Now, how many days of bad Facebook news do we have to get before people say no more? No, I mean, people should be running away from it. It seems to me by now. Yeah. This is the Bill Press Show. What do you say, everybody? It is a big day here. The release of the Mueller report. Yeah, by Bill Barr. Mm -hmm. That tells you all you need to know. It's going to be a very abbreviated, very one-sided report. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you today. It is the Bill Press Show, Thursday, April 18, coming to you live from our nation's capital. That's Washington, D.C. Last time we checked, uh, home of the Cherry Blossoms and uh, home of the Bill Press Show, our studio right here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol, the Library of Congress, Supreme Court. Uh, So close they can hear us from there and we can hear them and keep our eye on them from where we sit as well. We join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We join you on television, on Free Speech TV, coast to coast and all around the world uh, on YouTube. Again, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And on the radio statewide in Indiana, on Indiana Talks in Chicago and all the surrounding communities of Chicago on the great WCPT. Thank you so much for joining us. Boy, what a day. Yes, indeed. First of all, so this is a day. Uh, at 9.30 East Coast time, 
Bill Barr, Attorney General, will hold a news conference uh, about the Mueller report that then will be released to uh, Congress and online at around, we're told, between 11 and noon East Coast time, at which time we will have a chance to see it. But here's what, here's what you should remember about today, okay? Ahead of time, just remember this, keep telling her this, the fix is in, okay? This report is going to be released by Bill Barr, who was appointed attorney general for one reason only. He was appointed attorney general to undermine Robert Mueller and to discredit the Mueller report and to make sure that nothing that comes out will in any way be critical of Donald Trump. That's his job, and so far, mission accomplished, right? So remember that. Remember the messenger. And in, in, on top of that, I mean, the, who will be alongside of the messenger? It's going to be this news conference today. Again, the fact that they're holding this news conference at 9.30 in the morning, two and a half hours before they release the report, publicly tells you all you need to know. Bill Barr, again, who is Donald Trump's agent there for that purpose, will be accompanied by Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general. Remember Rosenstein. He's the guy originally at Donald Trump's behest who wrote the memo saying that James Comey had to be fired because he wasn't good to Hillary Clinton, because he treated Hillary Clinton badly. Now, if you believe that, right? And that was Rod Rosenstein who wrote that memo, which was a big, fat lie, and he knew it. He wrote it for Donald Trump. And then, of course, Donald Trump spilled the beans the very next day saying, yeah, I fired that guy because I wanted to get that monkey off my back and to get rid of all this Russian stuff. And he told Lester Holt on NBC the same thing, that he fired James Comey because Comey refused to shut down the Russian investigation. But back to Rosenstein. Rosenstein's the one who wrote the lie that Donald Trump asked him to. And then, you think he's changed his tune? No. Just this week, when Time Magazine wrote, uh, published its report on whom they considered to be the 100 most influential people in the country, uh, they included Bill Barr. They had other people write the biographies of the people who were named. And the one who, Elizabeth Warren, for example, wrote the biography, or the sketch, if you will, the profile, I should say, of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, who wrote the profile of Bill Barr? Rod Rosenstein, in which he said, how blessed America is to have such a great man, I'm paraphrasing, as attorney general, that the, the, the uh, American system of justice is well served by having Bill Barr as attorney general, blah, 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 makes you want to throw up. These two guys are the ones who are releasing the report today. So the fix is in. And what can you expect from a Bill Barr? Bill Barr is a guy, remember, over a year ago who wrote a 19-page unsolicited memo to the Justice Department saying the Mueller investigation was unnecessary, uh, was misguided, uh, because it was impossible that the president of the United States could ever be accused of obstructing justice, no matter who he is, no matter what. So some people said that was a memo. I think it was really a job application is what it was for the job of attorney general. Uh, he got it. Uh, on top of that, this is the guy who wrote, who refused to release the Mueller report originally, instead sent out a 
four-page letter to Congress in which he said he made the decision, he alone made the decision without providing any evidence that he would not uh, charge the president with obstruction of justice. This is the same man who went in front of Congress just last week and accused the FBI of spying, that was his word, of spying on the Trump campaign. And this is the same attorney general who for the last month, since March 22nd, uh, has been sitting there with his red pen, crossing out black pen, red pen, whatever, crossing out anything he didn't want us to see, meaning anything that is in any way critical of the president of the United States. Again, that's his job. We've got to remember that. That's why he's there. So don't believe a word he says today. That's my advice. Lower your expectations. The fix is in. Don't believe a word Bill Barr says. We've got to see the full report and read the full report. And I think um, the Democrats are right to say whatever you put out is not acceptable. We want the whole enchilada. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, after the four-page summary that, that Bill Barr released uh, right after the Mueller report uh, was given to him, uh, I think a lot of people took it at face value. Yeah. Uh, and I and I think that was the wrong thing to do. As you just pointed out, there are a lot of reasons why it was the wrong thing to do. And I think that a lot of people learned that lesson, present company included, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that I well, bought into it a little bit, uh, and a lot of people did. But yeah. at this point, we now know how Bill Barr operates. We now know what he's up to. And anything short of the entire Mueller report without redactions is um, not adequate. No. No, by the way, one other thing uh, that, to, to add that uh, that shows that the fix is in, I, I listed all those other things we know about Bill Barr, is that the New York Times reports this morning that for the last few days, the Justice Department has been meeting with the White House, with Trump's attorneys in the White House to brief them ahead of time on what the report says in order that they can get their counter-report ready, which they say they're going to release today as well. So, again, there's no independence of the Justice Department at all under Bill Barr, and it's clear why Bill Barr uh, is there. But, um, but so, it, it, several people pointed this out yesterday. Uh, for one, the chair of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry, da- Jerry Nadler, no fool he says, why the hell is Bill Barr having this news conference so he can spin, pardon me, spin the report before it's released here yesterday, Congressman Jerry Nadler. The fact that the Attorney General is not releasing even the redacted report to Congress until after his press conference will again result in the report being presented through his own words rather than through the words of Special Counsel Mueller. Good point. It raises a point. Why Bill Barr? Why Rod Rosenstein? Why not Robert Mueller? Where's Robert Mueller and his team? That's that's the biggest question I've had since the Mueller report was wrapped up. I mean, the way if there were any credibility to this, yeah. Mueller would be there with his chief deputies, right, and say, "Here's what we found. Here's what we are giving the attorney general. Here's what we are telling the American people." And that's- without that. 
it's phony baloney. That's a great point. I mean, look, sure. uh, why what? do we even why do we even need Bill Barr to right. interpret what Mueller said? No, we can read it ourselves. And like, look, I, yeah. I Robert Mueller, we've talked about maybe he did an inadequate job here in terms of uh, uh his report. He never actually depositioned Inter- Donald Trump. He didn't have that interview yeah. with Donald Trump. Uh, so maybe he could not come to a definite conclusion on Trump willingly intending to obstruct justice. Okay, fine. Come and explain that to us. Yeah, he's a guy who did the work for two years. Exactly. Right. Um, and uh, not, also, let's think about the timing, right? So today is, uh, for Christians around the world, Holy Thursday. Uh, Donald Trump, in fact, goes off to Mar-a-Lago. For Easter weekend, today, tomorrow is Good Friday. The Congress is out of town. No senators around, no members of the House around, right? What a great time to release the Mueller report on a holy Thursday, hoping to bury it. Again, Congressman Jerry Nadler, uh, again, no fool he, notes exactly what they're up to. Of course, he's doing this just before the holiday weekend, so it's extraordinarily difficult for anybody to react. This is wrong. It is not the proper role of the attorney general. And uh, let's turn to uh, my queen, Maxine, as we call her, uh, Maxine Waters, <laughs> head of the House Banking Committee. She just lays it out and said, you know, come on, Bill Barr, nobody should take him seriously. He's just a Trump sycophant. I'm not even disgusted uh, because I knew uh, that once he came out and he said there had been no obstruction of justice and that there had been no collusion, that he absolutely stepped out early to defend the president, to protect the president. I don't expect any reversal of that. (laughs) I expect him to continue to play the role. He is basically a lackey and a (laughs) sycophant for the president of the United States of America, and that's all it's going to be. You go, Maxine. That's it. She calls it out. That's, That's exactly, it right there. exactly what it is. And she also, uh, Congresswoman Waters, uh, makes the point uh, that we made a little earlier. The one we want to hear from is missing in action. This report is going to be overly redacted, and I don't know if we're going to get anything new or important out of that. Uh, I just wish that the Mueller team would come forward, and I hope uh, that Mueller will come before the committee and have a chance to tell his side of what he has done and have the questions given to him by the members of the Judiciary Committee that will help us to get at the truth about this president. All right, Congresswoman Maxine Waters. You know, one thing to remember in this, or a couple of things to remember, too. Look, no matter how badly the report is redacted, no matter how much Bill Barr tries to spin it or to cover it up, the report does establish a couple of things. One, the Russians were extensively involved in, we know this, but this report confirms it. The Russians were extensively involved on many levels in trying to influence the outcome of the 2016 presidential election to help Donald Trump get elected. It was an attack on America. It was an attack on our democratic system And Donald Trump has never acknowledged it, never condemned it. In fact, he said in Helsinki that if Vladimir Putin says he didn't do it, 
then he believes Vladimir Putin and not our intelligence agencies, number one. Number two, the report shows that there may not have been, uh, Mueller may not have, we don't know for sure, may not have found criminal evidence of criminal activity on the part of Donald Trump. But we know there were multiple connections between the Trump campaign and Russian officials for the purpose of getting dirt on Hillary. In other words, they knew what the Russians were up to, and they were talking to them during the campaign, which, again, Donald Trump has never admitted. And three, the report will show that while Bill Barr says it's but Bill Barr alone so far says there's not enough to convict Donald Trump on any of this. The report will show that on many different occasions, Donald Trump tried, we know this, tried to stop the in Russian investigate, tried to stop the Mueller investigation into his own actions and those of the people uh, around him. We know that. Um, and so remember that. That is huge in and of itself. It's activity that's totally inappropriate for a president of the United States. Improper, wrong, over the line, and Donald Trump should be called on it. Uh, and that is, of course, the job of Congress. You know, uh, one final thought on this before. There's a lot of other stuff to talk about. but And we're going to be talking really in depth about this with Matt Ford from New Republic uh, coming up here in the next half hour. This whole role of Bill Barr helping out Donald Trump, remember what, and, and really destroying any idea that there's any independence on the part of this attorney general and this Justice Department. Remember all the hullabaloo when Loretta Lynch said hello to Bill Clinton on the tarmac down in the middle of the 2016 campaign. Oh, my God, for the attorney general to ever even just say hello to a former president of the United States meant that she was in the tank for Hillary. Yeah. All that hell that was raised over Loretta Lynch just shaking Bill Clinton's hand, I'm not saying it was the smartest thing for her to do, but that was nothing compared to what Bill Barr Kissing Donald Trump's ass in public every single day is all about. I'm so, so glad that, you brought this up. So bring that in perspective. Yeah. No, I'm so glad you brought this up because, there, I mean, there was a freak out from Republicans. Total. Donald Trump specifically during the campaign yes. in 2016 oh, about God. how unethical this was. And, and as we pointed out at the time and as you point out now, not a great look. No. Not something no. that either one of them should have done. Okay? Right. We can agree on that. But as you say... By comparison, it was totally harmless by comparison. Absolutely. I mean, to this, right? Absolutely. I mean, Barr is carrying Donald Trump's water. And again, that's why he's there. That's why he got the job. I wouldn't be surprised was once this passes um, that Bill Barr gets fired, too. <laughs> sure. Something else will come up, and he'll put somebody else in there to sure. do it. Sure. And let me tell you. Uh, I keep saying final word on this, but this is so big. <laughs> it's the thing. So big. Is this is I don't want Democrats, Democrats and people who don't like Donald Trump don't get discouraged by this. This is not the end of the world at all. What this really means, I've made this point before, I'll make it again. What this really means is you can't count on the Mueller report. You can't count on impeachment to get rid of Donald Trump. 
What this means is we're going to have to beat Donald Trump the old-fashioned way, and that is to clobber the hell out of him in 2020. And that's even that's better than getting rid of him by impeachment, in my view. <laughs> yeah. Because if we impeach him, we get stuck with stupid Mike Pence, crazy Mike Pence, right? If you if you start the impeachment hearings, it's just going to totally divide the country and take attention away from 2020, and then Donald Trump's going to be painted as a victim and all. No, no. Let's just go out, get the best candidate, and clobber the hell out of him again in 2020. And that way we get not we get rid of not just Donald Trump. We get rid of the whole freaking Trump operation. We get rid of Trumpism. Uh, and then hopefully the Republican Party will get its census together and rebuild uh, a party that um, we can at least respect for having some decency, uh, not not the Trump party that we see today. So yeah. all will be well, no matter how much badly they try to spin this. That's That's got to be the... Yeah. direction. Go for 2020. 2020. I know that a lot of people were waiting for the Mueller report like it was Christmas Day. I think of that Saturday Night Live skit where they were singing about, yeah. please bring us yeah. the Mueller report by Christmas. Well, the Mueller report is here, and more than likely, as unfair as it is, the Mueller report is not going to be the magic bullet that gets Donald Trump out of office. But no. we are so close to an actual presidential election, and to see him carried out of the White House... <laughs> will be very worth That's it. what, yeah. Extremely worth That's it. That's worth waiting for. On a couple of other fronts, uh, Donald Trump up to, we wanted to bring you up to date on uh, Donald Trump exercising his second, the second veto of his presidency. Very significant, I think, the fact that in the last month, twice, both houses of Congress, the democratically controlled House and the Republican controlled Senate, both times have voted to over, uh, against, in opposition to Donald Trump's policies. That's huge. That's really significant. The first, of course, is when both the House and the Senate voted against his assuming the power to declare an emergency at the border in order to close the border, which he never did. Uh, Donald Trump vetoed that resolution, of course, but the fact that the entire Congress, not everybody in the Congress, but both Houses of Congress, voted against it. First time they've stood up in any way against Donald Trump. And the second time was just last week when both the, again, the Republican-controlled Senate and the Democratically-controlled House voted. By the way, in the House, the vote was 247 to 175. In the Senate, seven Republicans joined Democrats. The vote was 54 to 46 to cut off any funding for the Saudi Arabian-backed war, the Saudi... Um, exercise war now in Yemen, which has killed tens of thousands of civilians. It's a brutal, brutal war. They should be sent up for war crimes for this war. And they're doing it with American aid and with American bombs and American fighter planes. Uh, Congress said, no, this is wrong. Con the, the, under the War Powers Act, the Congress, a president cannot do this without the assent of Congress. Uh, Donald Trump vetoed that resolution as well, which says a lot. Uh, for Donald Trump's um, support for the Saudis, even after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Uh, significant act right. there. Remember that? Yeah, remember that. Donald Trump yeah, still has not condemned Kash uh, uh, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, for, for the murder of Khashoggi, who, remember, was living in this country. Um, also, Donald Trump uh, yesterday 
announcing new, and the Trump administration, new sanctions on Cuba. How long? <laughs> yeah. It's that our Cuban policy has been so bad for so long under both Democratic and Republican presidents. It is just insane to think that we can have normal relations with Vietnam, that we do all this trade with communist China, right? Still a communist country, and yet we fear Cuba, that Cuba is the enemy. Thank God Barack Obama started moving in the other directions to normalize relations and to ease the flow of um, tourist traffic to Cuba, uh, ease the flow of money from relatives in the United States to people who still live in Cuba. It's one of their principal sources of income. Uh, and to start to just put things back on an, and, 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 and to allow American farmers and American businesses to do business in Cuba, all of that being rolled back by the Trump administration. Here is a Secretary of State um, Mike Pompeo uh, yesterday, again, sounding like they believe Fidel Castro is still in charge. Cuban military intelligence and state security services today keep Maduro in power. Sadly, Cuba's most prominent export these days is not cigars or rum, it's oppression. Yeah, in other words, so it's that weak little country of Cuba that keeps Maduro in Venezuela in power. So now we have been unable to get rid of Maduro. So who do we blame? Cuba. Of course. Yeah. Don't blame the failed U.S. policy. Uh, and this policy, these new sanctions were announced by John Bolton, national security advisor, who went down to Miami to celebrate, I think it's the 58th anniversary of the Bay of Pigs, which is one of the biggest disasters in American foreign policy that John F. John F. Kennedy actually apologized for, acknowledging it was a huge mistake on his part. He inherited it from Dwight Eisenhower, didn't stop it. It failed miserably. Not for John Bolton considers it a huge victory. He celebrated it yesterday with some of the veterans of the Bay of Pigs invasion, uh, Cuban-Americans down in Miami, and announcing we're going to cut back on people who are allowed to travel to Cuba. The Department of the Treasury will implement further regulatory changes to restrict non-family travel to Cuba. Or in other words... How much longer are we going to allow a dying band of old Cuban Americans to dictate America's policy toward Cuba? And we've been doing it since 1950. Uh, it's just insane. Totally crazy. We haven't learned anything. By the way, having been to Cuba twice, go to Cuba. I don't care how you get there. Break the law. Go to Cuba. <laughs> there are ways to do it, as there you've are told ways us to before. Do it. Yeah. It's a wonderful island. The people are wonderful. And the more Americans that go there, the sooner we're going to um, have better relations with, with Cuba. Just keep it up. Don't let Donald Trump uh, derail the uh, the movement toward uh, better relations with Cuba. Uh, and on the 2020 front, boy, here are lots more we didn't even get to yet, but on the 2020 front, uh, just one little bit of news. Uh, so Bernie Sanders on Fox News early this week. We know. We talked about it yesterday. Peter talked about it before I got back from my trip to California. Bernie not only went on Fox News, he killed it. He killed it at that town hall. 
was so great. People loved him. They loved his policies. They surprised the uh, the hell out of the uh, the two Trump anchors, Brett Baer and, and Martha McCallum, because they were so friendly toward Bernie. Well, did Bernie do the right thing? Damn right. There's further evidence that he did today. Uh, the numbers came out for the number of viewers watching. 2.6 million people tuned in to Bernie Sanders on Fox. To put that in perspective, Bernie had a town hall on CNN. <laughs> yeah. With 1.3 million. One half. So twice the number of people watched him on Fox News. Talk about getting your message out. Very, very smart, by the way. Um, and now uh, Amy Klobuchar has a town hall coming up on Fox News. I think it's May. I've got that date somewhere here. At any rate, uh, she's got one already scheduled in the town hall. And we're also told that Pete Buttigieg and Julian Castro are in the final stages of signing up for their town hall on Fox News. Look, very it, smart. Uh, you know, go where I, the eyeballs are. We haven't talked about who we're endorsing or who no. we're supporting. I think there's a long way to go on this, but it is curious that Bernie yet again, who a lot of people will yell and scream is not a democrat, is definitely leading the way for the Democratic Party. They're talking about his issues that he's been talking about for years now. Yeah. Uh he went uh, to Fox News first and it was a great success, and now the other candidates are going there. And there is some danger in these other candidates going there and trying to copy what Bernie has done there. Yeah, we'll see how they do. But I, but I think they're smart to do it. Yeah, this I do smart. too. No, way, I it is. I, I double checked. It is May eight is when uh, Amy Klobuchar will be uh, on uh, Fox News and again. Two others are lined up. Uh, and a final note on twenty twenty. There's a lot more to talk about. But essentially, uh, yesterday somebody took a look at the number of U.S. senators who have endorsed. Right so far. Uh, Bob Menendez endorsed, guess whom? Cory Booker. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, Pat Leahy has endorsed from Vermont, guess whom? Bernie Sanders. Of course, that makes sense. Right. Tina Smith from Minnesota uh, okay. has endorsed, guess whom? Amy Klobuchar. All right. And Ted Cruz has endorsed Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you were waiting for that, right? No. <laughs> the only other senator who's endorsed did not endorse her fellow senator from California. Dianne Feinstein endorsed Joe Biden. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who's not even in the race? Who's not even Who's in the race. Yeah. But the three who've endorsed candidates who are in the race all endorse their home state senator, which kind of makes sense. I get that. Right. That's a safe, that's a safe play at yeah. any rate. Yeah. All right. Lots more to do. Lots more on the uh, Bill Barr uh, report here. Matt Ford from the New Republic joins us to put it all in perspective coming up. Don't go away. Hang in there. We'll be right back after a quick break. Live video, Phil's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is Judgment Day in Washington, D.C. We're all awaiting release of the Mueller report. Uh, and uh, Bill Barr's presentation of it whatever the hell that is, at 9.30 East Coast time, just two hours from now. Uh, with all that anticipation, uh, we welcome from the New Republic, Matt Ford is going to tell us what's in it and <laughs> what we can expect. Hey, Matt, it's good to see you. Good. Good to be back. Yeah, thank you. Good to have you back uh, on a very, very important day. 
Uh, and again, we want to hear from you on Twitter what you think about it all. Uh, on Twitter, at BP Show, and many of you already responding. Peter? Yes, as you can imagine, people have a lot to say about the <laughs> Mueller report. Uh, okay, lots of comments on this. Let's just get right into it. Uh, Viejo says, a memo to Bill Barr. John Mitchell, Nixon's attorney general, went to prison. Just a word to the wise. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, we talked about the Mueller report and whether or not it would be the thing that would get Donald Trump out of office. You said it really should be all about 2020. Uh, Tom says, I strongly agree with the strategy of voting out Trumpism in 2020. The voters can impeach and convict Trump at the voting booth. So you can still get some justice there Amen. Uh, if, if you want to see Donald Trump focus. out of office. Uh, and our buddy Romaine, our buddy Romaine in Chicago says, I met Rod Rosenstein on a flight from D.C. to Chicago last year, and I told him I thought he was doing a good job. One year later. I'm yep. not so sure. Yep. Huh? I yeah. feel like an idiot. Those are the words of Romaine. A couple other quick comments. David says uh, U.S. democracy is harder to build and more important than the rebuilding of Notre Dame. I think they're both things that can be handled uh, uh, with no problems. Uh, if you have us uh, on Twitter, at BP Show, if you're following us on Twitter at BP Show, send us a comment. We're reading them all throughout the show, and uh, we'll try and write you back or read them on air. All right. Yep. Thank you, Peter. So, Matt, the number the question most of us are asking is, why Bill Barr having this news conference at 9.30 with Rod Rosenstein, and where the hell is Robert Mueller? That's a great question, and I wish I had the answers to it. Uh, you know, when this was first announced, it was kind of expected that maybe we would see the report released simultaneously with that, and so there would be a chance to, you know, go through some of it while he's giving this press conference. Which, at its face, seemed kind of weird. Like, you know, you think you would, you would release it a few hours in advance so that the mm -hmm. questions could be salient. Um, but instead, now we're getting in afterwards. And so this whole thing gives the appearance of some sort of staging or, or presentation. Most Americans don't care what Bill Barr thinks. They just want to hear what Robert Mueller found. It's, it's classic spin, isn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, he will spin this report. One would assume, right? Well, yeah, he's going to be offering his own summary and interpretations of it, one would think. Right. Um, and, and that clearly is, you know, w the question that becomes how different is that from the actual report? Isn't this part of a pattern uh, on Bill Barr's part starting a year ago before he was named attorney general, nominated as attorney general, to try to discredit the Mueller report? Well, the, you know, the Justice Department has traditionally tried, at least since Watergate, to maintain a degree of independence from the White House and its political operations and the normal flow of that. And Bill Barr has not seemed to really embrace that. He's taken steps that do not really comport with that tradition. Um, we've seen reports last night, for example, that he was that White Justice Department officials were communicating with the White House right, right. about the report's contents before its release. And, you know, I, I, I'm struggling to think of a, a justification for, you know, what sort of information could be in there that would justify a genuine need to communicate with the president um, before its release. Uh, as we mentioned uh, in, the, uh, in the last half hour, um, remember the hue and cry over Loretta Lynch exactly. shaking hands with Bill Clinton. Right. And, you know, who, a small with, tarmac meeting. Who, former president, yeah. right, Bill Clinton. Two presidents ago, Bill Clinton. Yeah, exactly. Shaking hands on the tarmac. And it, it, you, you'll recall yesterday that it seemed, uh, you know, President Trump almost preempted Barr's announcement by going on a radio show and saying that Barr was going to give this address, which shows a degree of foreknowledge uh, that he had about the d attorney general's plans before we even heard anything. 
Um, the role of Rod Rosenstein I find interesting as well. Hmm. I mean, let's remember um, that he's got a stake in this too, right? I Absolutely. Mean, Rod, it was Rod Rosenstein who wrote that memo at Donald Trump or letter at Donald Trump's request mm-hmm. saying Comey should be fired because he violated Justice Department procedures in the way he handled the Hillary Clinton investigation. Absolutely. Which is not why Trump Trump himself has said has said that's not why he fired him. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, Rosenstein is. And then one other thing I might add, which you know, I'm sure, mm-hmm. is that this week it's Rod Rosenstein who wrote the profile of Bill Barr for Time magazine, right. praising him to the skies, mm-hmm. right? So he's in bed with Bill Barr. I believe he said that Bill Barr will defend the rule of law. Yeah. Like that was the yeah. closing line. That was the explicit statement. Uh, you know, Rosenstein knows that he has a certain amount of cachet among Trump's opponents. He's the guy who's been there two years. He appointed Mueller. He's been protecting him uh, from right. interference this whole time. Uh, he's risked being fired by the president for it. Uh, he's risked a lot of public criticism over how the investigation started in the early stages from congressional Republicans. Um, he's somebody who has earned a certain amount of reputation among uh, Trump's opponents as somebody with legitimacy, probably the only other person in the Justice Department other than Bob Mueller with that. And it's no small thing that he has extended that credibility uh, to bar, you know, he stayed on an right. additional month yeah. past when right. he was supposed to right. leave to help oversee this process. And now the real question that we're going to find out today is: is Was Barr worthy of the sort of mortgaging of of Rosenstein's credibility here? I mean, I think you've written as to whether or not Rosenstein is going to end up regretting his defense of Bill Barr. Well, absolutely, and I, I think that you know Barr's actions. Again, the report hasn't been released. We could get it in a couple hours and find that the redactions are minimal. That Barr has acted, you know, appropriately in that regard. And in that case, Rosenstein would be vindicated. But given what we know about Barr, that, you know, there is cause for concern. Right. How uh, you just I just want to follow up on that. How heavily do you believe the report's going to be redacted? Well, it's hard to say. Um, You know, it's 400 pages. And I think it's going to be kind of like, you know, Justice Stewart said about (laughs) pornography where, you know, you'll know it when you see it is when Americans will look at this. How many redactions are too many redactions? Um, you know, there's certain cases where there should be redactions. Uh, if it's stuff related to sources and methods for intelligence gathering, you know, this was a counterintelligence investigation in part. Obviously, that should be kept secret. Um, stuff related to other ongoing investigations that could be used for, you know, other witnesses to change their stories, that should also be kept secret. Um, but if we get it and, you know, half the document is, is hidden, um, if, if key sections related to obstruction are hidden, uh, that's going to cause a lot of cause for concern. And I think the bar, you know, would have to worry that if something like that happens, he's got to worry that somebody's going to leak the whole thing. Right. Um, the Justice, uh, the Judiciary Committee in the House has voted already to authorize Chairman Nadler to issue a subpoena for the full report. Right. And this is, this is, <laughs> this that is may one happen. reason. That may happen today. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, this is one reason the 2018 midterms are so important. Because if Republicans still had control of the House of Representatives, there would be no legal mechanism for Democrats to even challenge um, Barr's redactions here or even Barr's you know, withholding of some of this material. Um, so this is just another sign of how that midterm election was so pivotal in setting up all these checks and balances uh, that Republicans kind of let lay dormant for the last two years. Right. Um, I'm reminded um, – uh, I, I remember way back in the days when I was doing – uh, the spin room with Tucker Carlson at CNN <laughs> uh, outside the, the Supreme Court the night of Bush v. Gore. Mm. 
uh, and I've seen this before on important Supreme Court decisions where reporters rush out of the court holding a copy of what was just released by the court. Yep. The opinion of the court. But they and they're, and they're going through it so fast, yeah. trying to figure out what it says. Right? Some of them they get it, sometimes they get it wrong. Right? They oh. see a sentence and they don't know, they, until they finally get to the conclusion. Um, so I guess I'm saying, how long we, if it comes out? Bars. So what we know now, right, is Bars news conference is at nine thirty. Nine thirty. Yeah. It's supposed to be then released to Congress between eleven thirty and noon. Somewhere, yeah, somewhere right? around there. And put up online about the same time. That's what we think, but we don't exactly know. It could be shortly thereafter. Um, but yeah, around that time. So then, uh, how long before we really know what's in it? <laughs> well, how fast can you read four hundred pages? Um, I think that's going to be the key question here. You know, I, we, we can even remember a few years ago with the Obamacare decision, how everybody thought the Affordable Care Act had been struck down right. in its entirety. Yeah. yeah. And then you read another few pages, you find out, oh, just kidding. The individual mandates attacks. Everything is okay. So is this, is the secret going to be to read it with the search F um, kind of <laughs> look for keywords? I got to be honest, that's <laughs> another one of my worst fears that this isn't going to be a searchable PDF. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think the two pe- people are going to look for a few things right Like you put in obstruction. Right. Right. Then you maybe can go read all the every reference to obstruction of justice. Right? I mean, the first thing I'm going to go look for is there was a line in Barr's letter to Congress last month um, where Mueller said that, you know, while this does not allege a criminal act or something along these lines, it does not exonerate the president either with regards to obstruction of justice. Right. And I want to see that full sentence. I want to see. Uh, why Robert Mueller felt that he needed to say in this in this report that he couldn't clear the president, because you know with the with the obstru- with the with the uh, collusion aspect of the investigation, he was willing to say you know there was no conspiracy that I could prove with regards to that obstruction. He seems to have said he was a lot more cagey, and that raises a lot of questions about what the president did that you know might not have risen to the level of an absolutely prosecutable offense, but may still have been pretty pretty troubling. What what I fear about this is that it's a case of we may not be able to see the forest for the trees, uh, meaning yeah. this report will show, right, that there was massive evident, uh, efforts on the part of the Russians to inf- to influence the 2016 election. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we-, we Confirming that, yeah. which Donald Trump has never admitted or never condemned, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that 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 is one- thing that we get out, I, I think, whatever, however redacted, that's one thing this report is going to yeah. show, right? Would you agree? I think so. And I think this is a really going to be a good opportunity for people to view the investigation in its totality. Uh, we've seen this kind of as a drip, drip, drip over the past two years. Um, but if Robert Mueller had stayed completely quiet, and, you know, he's been pretty quiet, but if he had not done anything, no prosecutions, no charges, no indictments, nothing, and did all of what we've seen over the past two years last month on a single day, it would blow Watergate out of the water. Um, you know, the level of, of, of activity that we've seen from Trump aides willing to lie about something that the president says didn't even happen, um, willing to lie about all these different conversations they had with him, willing to mislead investigators. Uh, you know, there's a lot of smoke here. And the real question is, is are, in the Mueller report today, are we going to finally see the fire? All right. Second thing it seems to me that this report will show is, again, no matter how badly redacted uh, or widely redacted, is that there were, there may not have been a criminal conspiracy, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of there were a lot of contacts between the Trump campaign and 
various officials in the Trump campaign and Russian operatives. That's right. It could have been almost like a ship's passing in the night thing. I mean, it was certainly clear from the public I mean, More than at that, the time. they were talking. Oh, yeah. Me- holding meetings. But, you know, it was certainly clear at the time that, you know, it was in Russia's interest to help Donald Trump win the presidency. He had somebody who had said that he wanted to, you know, pull back from NATO, lower sanctions, stuff in Crimea. Uh, and it was in Trump's interest to get whatever help he could against Hillary Clinton, who had a far superior ground operation, at least it was thought at the time, uh, than the sort of ragtag Trump campaign could offer. And Trump did uh, nothing, did not report any of those efforts to authorities. He no. knew about them and did not go to the FBI and say, hey, the Russians have come to me and, you know, we know this is not right. And blah, blah, Which is blah. the first thing, you know, you would think a presidential candidate would do. Right. Uh, more than that, he even encouraged it. I mean, his last press conference during the campaign was in, I believe, July or June of 2016. And he went out there and said, Russia, if you're listening, you know, I'd like to get those 30,000 exactly. deleted emails right. from yeah. Clinton. Uh, you know, it's harder to think of a more clear signal to that to than that to a foreign adversary that you're willing to accept some sort of shady behavior on their part. Right. Um, and then, so th- th- those two things we will find. And then thirdly, I think we will, it will establish that, again, while Bill Barr says it was not enough to convict the president mm-hmm. uh, or charge him with obstruction of justice, that there were several efforts, and th- you said this is one of the things you want to look for, there's evidence that on several occasions Donald Trump did everything he could to try to stop the Mueller investigation. Right. We know of I mean, least, we know that. We know of at least two instances from the New York Times reporting where he tried to fire Mueller. And the either the White House counsel or somebody else said, I'm not going to carry out that order. To fire Mueller. Yes. Yeah. And also then firing Comey. And, fire, and he actually fired Comey. And then he went out. I mean, he went out on, on Lester Holt and said that he did it because of the Russian investigation. Um, you know, this is something so, that is just kind of like almost staring us in the so face. So my point, is, right, is that those big headlines should not get overshadowed by what is what has been redacted, right? Right. Or, or some of the other things that we wish were stronger, or something. Like right. That. Those th- those three statements, in and of itself, to me, uh, demonstrate a um, a level of presidential um, actions that were over the uh, out of line over the line, whatever you want to say, mm-hmm. improper and wrong. I, you know, I think one of the uh, kind of challenges of the Russian investigation is that we've been viewing it primarily through a criminal justice lens. Yes. And we've been Good thinking of, of how do we prove each of these elements uh, of a potential criminal offense to a jury of 12 people and whether or not that will be able to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh, now, and if you change that frame uh, to sort of a, like a historian's perspective where we say, you know, we look at the best evidence we have available and we try and come up with the best conclusion we have. I think that when you take that lens and you think 50 years ahead how people will look back at this, I think a lot of this is going to be a lot easier to resolve for future generations of Americans on whether there was collusion, on whether there was obstruction, on whether there was all these things, on whether the president, you know, acted wrongly during the, his campaign to become president. Right. Um, what about the um, – um, I wanted to pl- play a clip here. This is uh, Chairman Nadler yesterday talking about the timing of the release of this report. Uh, this is Holy Week. Yep. Uh, it is school break, if you don't believe it. Try to go downtown to the Washington Mall today. You'll be <laughs> trampled by school children mm-hmm. who are here on their spring break. Um, but here's Chairman Nadler saying, hmm, why release it? on Holy Thursday. Of course, he's doing this just before the holiday weekend, so it's extraordinarily difficult for anybody to react. This is wrong. It is not the proper role of the Attorney General. 
And the Congress, of course, being out of town. Yeah. Curious, huh? I mean, it's it's an interesting coincidence. Uh, you know, one thing that I, I would say, though, is that this is something that's kind of transfixed the country for two years. And I, I can't think of a single holiday that he could release this before where it would completely snuff out the story. I mean, in a way, it might even backfire against them. People are going to be going on vacations, and now they have a 400-page book to read along the way. <laughs> so, By the way, that <coughs> – pardon me. Whoa, I'm sorry. It is going to be – Available to the public pretty quickly, right? In published form. Oh, yeah. I, th- I believe at least three publishers have, have s- laid out plans for them to release, like, a book. And we saw that with, like, the 9-11 report, um, other recent, like, major government reports where, since they're government documents, anybody could just publish them. Uh, in terms of backfiring, it also could work this way in that, in that, let's face it, not a lot of news happens on Holy Thursday or Good Friday or Holy Saturday or Easter Sunday. Right. And now it's going to be nothing but. Mueller report. Oh yeah, if you're he'll if, be in Mar-a-Lago, but everybody else is going to be Mueller, pumping out Mueller report. I mean, if 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 you have any bad news that you've been sitting on for the past couple of days, uh, now is the time to release it because nobody will read it uh, ever again. Facebook could announce that they gave all our profiles to the Russians tomorrow, mm-hmm. and we might not even realize it until next week. Right, because we'll all be talking because about we'll the, all be talking about the Mueller report. Right, right. Um, is this the end of the game? Uh, there are, you know, there are a few steps that are left to be kind of wrapped up. I mean, well, it depends on what's in the report. If there's more avenues to be explored there, and if there's not, uh, if it's too redacted for the public to gain anything from it, I think we could see more there. Um, but look, there's still a few ongoing uh, cases involving, you know, various Trump associates that Mueller originally prosecuted that he's now handed off to other U.S. attorneys' offices. Um, there's still the question of whether or not Mueller will testify before Congress. I believe uh, Pelosi and Schumer said yesterday that they would like to see that. Uh, and then there's, you know, the, the, the big problem that Trump still has to face is that a lot of these other investigations that weren't originally under Mueller are still active. We know of the one in the Southern District of New York. Uh, we know that the Trump inaugural committee is being looked into by the U.S. Attorney for D.C. Um, you know, in some sense, this is a, the closing of a chapter for the president, but it also does not mean the end of his legal troubles. What happens to what with Michael Flynn has been charged yet, right? I mean, that's he, he, he's, he's going to be sentenced, I believe, soon. Sentenced. I'm um, sorry, charged, but not sentenced. Yeah. Right. I believe the special counsel said last uh, December that he had been cooperating everything. We haven't really seen the fruits of that cooperation, so I'm curious to if any of that is going to be in the report. Is Paul Manafort? Uh, Paul Manafort, I believe, has been sentenced. sentenced. Um, so, so he's a, currently probably awaiting uh, incarceration. Okay. I thought there was still some appeal there. And Roger Stone? Uh, Roger Stone is, uh, you know, in the early stages of, of his trial. He's he's pled not guilty, and so he's looks like he's going to fight it. Although he's currently not saying much about it because the judge has repeatedly told him to stop talking about the case. Right. Um, it, do you, do you believe it is Robert Mueller's um, decision not to appear at this news conference today, not to release the report himself? It wouldn't be out of character for him. I mean, he's he's made, I believe, one actual public comment since this whole thing began. He said he was grateful to take on the investigation. He would complete it to his best of ability back two years ago when Rosenstein appointed him. Um, he's not a guy who speaks out, seeks out the public spotlight. Um, so if he, w- I mean, if he was asked and didn't want to attend, that certainly wouldn't be out of character. And what about his associates who told the New York Times last week? That they think that Bill Barr's, or a couple of weeks ago, Bill Barr's summary uh, paints the president in a much more positive light than the actual report does. Well, if I, if I was Bill Barr and I was making these redactions, I would have to worry that if I was making too many of them, 
these people might feel even more emboldened to speak out. Um, so far, they've kind of kept to Mueller's silence and not said anything publicly or, or really, you know, crossed the line there. But, you know, if, if they feel that there's a cover-up going on, they might feel obligated to speak out and say what they found. And they could come forward publicly and testify? I, well, I suspect that, that they would probably speak anonymously to reporters first. But, uh, you know, the one person that, that would really need to testify about that is, is Mueller himself. Right. Um, whether or not there's any interference, whether or not there's any suppression, whether or not he thinks that Barr covered up his findings. Uh, and finally, though, just out of time here, but too bad. But um, we're going to see a counter report, right, from the White House today. <laughs> yeah, I believe Giuliani had originally said it was 110 pages, and now it's down to 35 pages. It yeah. kind of reminds me of when I'm filing a story to my editor and I'm running up against the deadline. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't wait to see what's in that. Right. Uh, they've had some help from Bill Barr, of course. In oh, uh, yeah, another Justice Department. Matt fitness. Ford with us from New Republic, TNR.com, TNR.com. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Will Summer from the Daily Beast coming up next. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show. Or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. And on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Uh, believe it or not, here's one Democrat who is not going to run for president. Terry McAuliffe, former governor of Virginia, announcing it yesterday. He's going to focus instead on, he says, turning Virginia blue, blue, blue. Hey, hello, everybody. What do you say? It's a Thursday, April 18, and this is the Bill Press Show, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our little studio on Capitol Hill, reaching out to you worldwide, nationwide, everywhere you are on this uh, in this great country of ours and on the planet, online, on television, and on the radio with the news of the day. Big news today, of course, is everybody living in anticipation of release of the uh, the redacted version of the Mueller report, uh, scheduled for about 11.30 to noon East Coast time. Attorney General Bill Barr is going to um, first hold a news conference announcing release of the report at 9.30 this morning with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Um, maybe his attempt to spin the report and, or put the most positive spin on it before we finally get a chance to read it. Who knows? But um, Washington is just buzzing it, with excitement. Uh, this is the most excitement since we learned that Meghan Markle was pregnant. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, was. absolutely. You know, I, I just have to point out, because uh, I know you were talking with Matt Ford about how Congress will receive it. Uh, Bloomberg is reporting that Congress will receive the Mueller report today between 11 and noon on a compact disc. Incredible. <laughs> on a compact disc? Yes. 
A CD, yes. Yeah, so but I mean, it's, it's, right. it's, that's how they're going. That's how they're going to share it, because we are on the bleeding edge of 1996 <laughs> technology. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't that sort of old fashioned? Feels a little old fashioned. <laughs> it does but... indeed. All right, so so much to talk about. So much you want to comment on? Uh, send your comments on Twitter at BP Show. But first, right. Alrighty, just a couple of other stories making news with the Full Court Press. Let's jump into it. So you know what I love? I love sleeping under the stars. Uh, when you get somewhere, we can actually see the stars. In the tent, you mean or just flat out? Flat there? out. Oh. I like sleeping flat out when yeah. I can. Uh, well, here's the problem, though. A new study says snakes. that just one... Snakes are the problem. Well, snakes are a problem. That's that's yeah. one problem for sure. Just one in 50 people can actually see the stars as nature intended because of light pollution. Yeah, light pollution. Light pollution. Oh, they yeah. either live too close to yeah. cities that emit a lot of light or they are in a suburb, close to a suburban area where you've got yeah. a lot of shopping yeah. centers yeah. and things like that. And so to actually really get out in nature is really the national parks and things like that. It's really the only place that you can do it anymore. But one in 50 people who want to actually see the stars the way that they're supposed to be seen, the way they were meant to be seen, can actually see them. That's a real bummer. That's that grim, is. Yeah. That really bums me <laughs> out. Yeah. yeah. How few people are living in rural areas these days. It's true. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, speaking of national parks, because mm-hmm. uh, you could go there to see the stars, this weekend is 420. Uh, which is big for a lot of reasons, for a lot of different reasons, (laughs) but, but national parks are free on 420 on April 20th. Now, if you want to figure out a way to combine the two national holidays, that's on you, but it's national park week kicks off on Saturday and it's going to run all week, but just that day, just on 420, if you want to get into the national parks, they are completely free. Free now. They have a lot of different other events that are going to be taking place all throughout the week. Uh, different guided uh, tours and things like that that you can that you can join up on. But if you want to go in for free, you can go in on 420. Where's Matt Laszlo going to be on 420? I'm going to guess he's going to be in a national park. Getting, if I had getting to guess, stoned. yeah. I mean, I look. <laughs> I, I know Matt likes being outdoors, and I know Matt likes being high. As do both of us. <laughs> so I'm actually going to be in a national park on Saturday. You are? I'm going to Shenandoah, yeah. Which I had plans to do it before I knew about this, but now it's an added bonus. Yeah. Well, uh, I hope you take supplies. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Peter. This is the Bill Press Show. Today's the day the Mueller report released. Uh, what will we find out? How badly will it be redacted? Can we trust Bill Barr to um, give the full skinny on Donald Trump? Hello, everybody. What do you say? On a Thursday, April 18, it is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. Most of it centered, of course, on release of the uh, uh, the Robert Mueller report, uh, as it's been uh, pared down or whatever, redacted by Attorney General Bill Barr uh, since its release to him on March 22nd. Uh, we'll bring up date on the news of it that we hear during the day, uh, during the show, about Donald Trump is already way out in front here, uh, tweeting just a couple of minutes ago, quote, the greatest political hoax of all time. 
crimes were committed by crooked, dirty cops. He's talking about the FBI there. Cops, crimes were committed by crooked, dirty cops and DNC, the Democrats. So it sounds like Will Summers is with us, Summer rather, <laughs> from the Daily Beast, thedailybeast.com. Will, it sounds like Donald Trump has already read the report and reached his conclusion. Right? right. I mean, so we found out last night that he's been briefed on at least segments of the report. And, you know, it, it, it seems like he's not happy about it. You know, initially after Bill Barr brought out his letter a few weeks back and he said and Trump was saying, you know, I've been exonerated, et cetera. You know, perhaps that's not the case. Uh, or it is. Right. I mean, right. that uh, he he he's I heard him say he gave a radio review yesterday, a mm-hmm. radio interview yesterday. Right. Where he said. You know, this should never happen again to any president. This is just unfair how a president was subjected to all of this. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting. I think one the... would also say maybe it should never happen again uh, that a president knows Russia is spying <laughs> on our uh, not spying on trying to interfere with our election, and uh, presidential candidate knows about it and doesn't do anything about it. Right. Exactly. I mean, the or le- actually tries to help them. The lead up here has just been fascinating in terms of Bill Barr kind of trying to soften the blow, and now Trump says maybe he'll do a press conference. So, uh, you know, it'll obviously be a big day. Yeah. Uh, the president is scheduled to go down to Mar-a-Lago this afternoon. Okay, so maybe it's not. Yeah. Hard, well, it's hard to believe that he will not have something to, on the on the way out to Mar-a-Lago um, at the White House on the South Lawn. I mean, he's if, if no full-fledged news conference, which he hasn't had for ever, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know that he'll have some comments uh, down there. Uh, we, just while we were waiting, um, you've been writing on so many different issues. Uh, for Daily Beast. We saw Pete Buttigieg on Morning Joe this morning. Tim Ryan was there earlier, so presidential candidates in and out of the morning shows. Um, Buttigieg is interesting. Conservatives, as you point out, don't quite know how to handle him, do they? No, no. As someone who covers the right, I I find him a fascinating character because he's, in a way, sort of very slippery for them to get a hold of. They can't, you know, they uh, obviously, uh, now that gay marriage is legal, we've seen the the anti-gay attacks from the Republican Party go down. And so they're a little reluctant to do that. At the same time, he's a veteran, so they're... They, they kind of can't figure out how to handle that. And, you know, it, it, in the case of someone like Elizabeth Warren, for example, you know, they, they have the Native American attacks or there are these, these various candidates uh, that they have kind of a rote line of attack on. But they're having a lot of trouble figuring out how exactly to go after Pete. Um, and he also um, can can keep up with them, if not outdo them when it comes to faith issues. Right, exactly. I mean, this is an interesting line that he's opened up. It, it, it's sort of trying to, to reclaim or make some space for a liberal Christianity. And, and and I think that has kind of scrambled the equation for people like Fox News, who you know would normally be very eager to attack someone as sort of this like godless liberal. Uh, you know, it, it it's been interesting in some ways to see uh, how Fox News, some personalities, and other people in talk radio, for example, have started attacking him for being Episcopalian. Like that's not a real like branch oh, of Christianity oh. or something. You know, Laurel Ingram said, you know, he said he's a traditional Episcopalian, whatever that means these days. I mean, it's really bizarre. It's like, wait, I, when did Episcopalians get Sort of written out of Christianity, uh, I, yeah. That, that is <laughs> like this radical that, sect, you know? right? Uh, but there have been so the last couple of days um, people following him around, dressed as Satan, you know, pretending, and then I, I, that uh, he's not a, sort of suggesting. I think he's because he's gay and because he's married, right? 
that he cannot be a real Christian. Right, exactly. So over the past few days, we've seen these really sort of outlandish protests, almost, uh, you know, reminiscent of the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, You know, people just heckling him about being gay, stuff like that. I mean, certainly that, I think, uh, is is not what, you know, mainstream Republicans or Fox News would be looking to attack him over sort of that blatantly. Uh, You know, we saw some of these protesters were affiliated with Randall Terry, the radical anti-abortion activist. Uh, so, you know, I mean, those kind of attacks, I think, are, are definitely not what the Republican Party wants to be associated with. So it's been interesting watching, um, you, you know, sort of the, these attacks against uh, Buttigieg uh, coalesce. Right. Um, Buttigieg uh, in Iowa met with the there some of these protesters who were not just outside one of his events, but inside the event. Uh, and after the crowd sort of silenced the guy and either he was escorted out or whatever, uh, I thought Buttigieg handled it uh, pretty well. Here he is. Thank you. <laughs> there you yeah, go. the good news is the condition of my soul is in the hands of God, but the Iowa caucuses are up to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, <laughs> thanks for being here, and here's what I have to say about that, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've seen so far that he's he's been pretty uh, successful coming up with responses on his feet, both, obviously, in interviews with the press and, and with these kind of hecklers. Right. Um, you, it's, it's an interesting beat that you have uh, to cover the alt-right, right? Right, exactly. Not just the right, but the, the sort of the extreme right. You're, you're, uh, fringes, exactly. The fringes, right. Okay. We saw the fringe rear its ugly head against again this this week, um, before the firemen had doused the flames in Notre Dame. Um, the right alt right was out there, basically blaming it on like the World Trade Tower on Muslim terrorists. Exactly. So really within minutes, essentially, of it being reported, various right-wing figures in the U.S. Uh, were saying, you know, the Muslims did it, you know, the, the Europe has fallen. E- exactly. Right. Um, based on? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, it's ironic, you know, the, these people who, after we saw with Jesse Smollett or uh, the, the Covington Catholic saga, uh, you know, who were saying the media rushed to judgment, then these same people are, are really rushing to blame, you know, a, a billion people for this fire. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, it, and even so much so that, you know, on Tuesday, the, the fire investigators came out and said, there's no evidence that this was arson or terrorism. And now they've sort of started, you know, people, you know, as famous as Glenn Beck have sort of started this idea that, uh, you know, it, it was Muslims, but we'll never know the truth. And, and there's this big cover up afoot. Right. Well, um, I saw I'm just checking here. Those in the New York Times this morning that uh, this is this kind of one guy who started this and then it just went viral as Right, exactly. I, overworked phrase. I interviewed this fellow, uh, th- this uh, Tennessee politician who uh, it, it ran as a Democrat, and he, you know, I, 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 I think unfortunately for him, he was sort of in this, you know, during breaking news events. I think people often tweet things that they shouldn't, and apparently he had a friend who is a Jesuit in Europe and said, "Well, I heard it was deliberately set," and so he just, you know, it was deliberately set. And then, you know, within 10 minutes, these kind of various alt-right, uh, alt-right personalities have glommed onto this and are saying, you know, here's our proof. You know, this guy was not, he's not some reporter in Paris or something. Oh, you know, he's yeah. some random guy in Tennessee. And so he tweets this. And then within 10 minutes, he's deleted the tweet. But then they screenshot it. And this becomes, you know, in a way, his deletion and saying, you know, I was wrong to tweet this. That becomes part of the idea that there's this cover-up afoot. Right. But doesn't that get to the whole issue of the extent to which social media platforms have become um, the forum, right, for and the vehicle for 
these extreme right-wing conspiracies. Oh, absolutely. And they really spread them so quickly. And then, you know, you can take this. Yeah. And what can, what can you do about that? I mean, it's very difficult, you know, and, and even some of the attempts to stop that disinformation, we've seen backfire in the Notre Dame fire. For example, on YouTube, they have, you know, they these 9-11 conspiracy theory videos. So YouTube will append an article or a link to an article about, you know, what really happened in 9-11. So, you know, the kind of the official narrative. And then, but YouTube has this algorithm where apparently, I guess, if they see a building on fire, they assume it's a 9-11 video. So these streams for, of the Notre Dame fire and people, it, YouTube just assumes it's 9-11 footage. So then they say, have, include a link uh, to 9-11 in that video. So then people see that and they think, what, are, is YouTube saying this is a terrorist attack too? Or, you know, what are they saying? But doesn't this give these groups... Um, white supremacists or whomever on on, on the on the on the extreme right, um, you know, a, a reach that they have never had before and and could never otherwise have. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I mean if, if they had to, you know, fax something right <laughs> to right. get their word out, right, in the old days, or Xerox something and hand it out at shopping centers. I mean, however, I mean, they couldn't afford to buy ads in the New York Times, right? But now they've got a, a global platform instantly available. Exactly. I mean, you know, we've seen white supremacist, white nationalist groups using the Internet, you know, going back to the 90s to organize. But with social media, you know, it, it's a very unique thing in that they have, a, it, whereas those were kind of closed communities, this is now a, a way for them to amplify their message and broadcast it to regular people. Right. And are there no controls over that i mean <laughs> you, you know i i think there are and in, in the the social media companies are attempting to get a handle on this but you know i think they're really vastly being outstripped by these conspiracy theorists and, and these racist groups so is it uh, um are we talking about a first amendment issue here or freedom of speech issue i mean or or uh, so the, <laughs> these are private platforms right i mean they could mm -hmm. They could exercise some editorial control, couldn't they? Right. W without it, violating people's First Amendment rights? Exactly. I mean, you know, in theory, right? It's, it's, it's so, so, you know, sites like YouTube and Twitter have been trying to stan stan uh, stanch the flow of this misinformation. But oftentimes we see either that they're kind of unwilling to do it or, you know, they appreciate the engagement that some of these these fringe personalities bring to their their platforms. So, you know, they, they've sort of been willing to tolerate some people, you know, um, Logan Paul, for example, this this big kind of like teen uh, video personality, had Alex Jones on his show last week, and you know it, it, he has him on because it's, it's something that's going to get him buzz. Sure. Meanwhile, Alex Jones is telling all these impressionable twelve year olds that PizzaGate is real and stuff like that. On 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 YouTube, yeah. So you know this is being blasted out to millions of people. YouTube's not doing anything about it. Yeah, I mean, why should that crap even be allowed on there? I mean, I you know it, it's a great question. On the other hand, uh, you know, Republicans are kind of making moves to make it harder for YouTube and Twitter to ban people. Um, you know, it, it, a couple of weeks ago they had a, they had a whole hearing. Uh, the Democrats had a hearing on white nationalism. Yes. Meanwhile, the oh, Republicans oh. invited people who could essentially just complain about, you know, losing their Twitter accounts and stuff like that. Yeah. And they invited, I forget, this woman. A Candace had, Owens. Yeah. Candace Owens, who had wacko, as far as I'm concerned, who had praised Hitler. And yeah, you know, it, Ted Lieu played that one clip. Right? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he said, you know, I'm just going to play your, your bizarre comment sort of praising Hitler. Right. So, um, and I, I'm just thinking about that with this week, this um, young woman who shows up in Colorado, uh, who's obsessed with Columbine and the and the killers in Columbine, and went out to Colorado um, heavily armed uh, and put the fear of God into that community. She 
killed herself yesterday, but brought some relief, I guess. But she was using, I mean, the social media, social platforms to get her message out there, saying they did the right thing. We got to do more of this, and they were afraid she was going to bust into Columbine herself on the twentieth anniversary of it. You know, there, there's a fascinating and very macabre subculture, especially on uh, the social network Tumblr, of people, especially many young women, who had, uh, sort of adore mass shooters. And so there's this whole there's this whole subculture. God. No, I mean it, 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 it's sick stuff, and, and it's something that really wouldn't exist without social media, because otherwise you would have these people in their kind of like these atomized communities, and they wouldn't be able to contact the person across the country who has these crazy ideas. No, no exactly. But in the same way with that, or like the QAnon conspiracy theory, people who never would have encountered in real life someone who shared their ideas are able to get together and reinforce those ideas. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned QAnon. What the hell is QAnon? <laughs> well, actually, it's a big day for them, right? Because it's Why? the Mueller report. Well, oh, because uh, oh, so so, so, so sure. So that. so yeah. kind of the, the the brief thing about QAnon is, is you can imagine it as sort of like a mega pizza gate. So back in October 2017, someone on 4chan, which is an anonymous online message board, started posting these cues and they or, excuse me these clues and they said, you know, my name's Q. I'm a high up member of the Trump administration. And essentially, you know, it's like Democrats are pedophiles and they eat children. And, you know, basically all of the the bad stuff in the world can be blamed on George Soros and this cabal. So all these clues have been coming out, you know, for more than a, almost two years now. And QAnon believers who are typically Trump supporters, they think that, you know, they look at it and they'll see some prediction. For example, one of the big QAnon predictions was at the end of October 2017, Hillary Clinton was going to be arrested and sent to Guantanamo Bay. So, you know, these kind of prophecies, and then they fail to happen, and then they say, oh, you know, we we misunderstood it all along. So basically they're convinced that Trump and the military are engaged in this kind of secret war against almost like uh, like reptile people in the Democratic Party, these, these kind of like Pizzagate figures. Um, and so, you know, you see them show up at Trump rallies with their big cues and stuff. I mean, the... This is, I mean, it, it, it's completely ludicrous, but it, it, it's disturbingly widespread in the GOP. Are they Trumpers? Oh, yeah, for, for the most part. I mean, basically, Trump is sort of the hero of this narrative. And we've seen a lot. You know, we saw Tr Trump met in the Oval Office with one of the big QAnon promoters. We've seen two murders now tied to QAnon, including the murder of the Gambino crime family. So, I mean, this is, I mean, it, it, it's serious stuff, and it's disturbing. But the, the mafia guy that walked out of his house to investigate the guy backed into his car? Uh, it's a QAnon? Exactly. And so that guy kind of showed up Jesus. at the, the mafia boss's house and allegedly killed him. And then in court, that guy shows up with a big Q written on his palm and all these kind of QAnon slogans. So I talked to his lawyer and, you know, it seems like they're kind of angling for an insanity defense. But he said, you know, QAnon played a big role in this. I've always suspected that Peter Ogburn was in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think he has. He's got a... Tattoo. I'm gonna to have to check it out more carefully. <laughs> make sure it's not. <laughs> but I mean, really, I mean, you know, we have a House candidate who believes in QAnon now. Well, what? Yeah, this guy running uh, unopposed currently in the Republican primary in Florida. Uh, it, it, for a certain House, he did. It, 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 it's like a plus twelve D seat, so he probably won't get it. But I mean, nevertheless. Wow. Um, I mean, they're crazy. But and 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 so at the center of all of this is that these wackos. Whether they're white nationalists, white supremacists, or or QAnon or whatever, they're they're getting a lot. They get a lot of, if not direct, indirect support and encouragement from Donald Trump. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you know, specifically in the case of QAnon, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked, you know, will the president denounce this crazy death cult? And she said, you know, we only denounce movements that are violent, you know, and so. Basically, the Q people saw that as like a wink, wink, you know, sounds good. 
you know, in the case of the white nationalists, I mean, famously, he said, uh, you know, uh, find people on both sides in Charlottesville, an effort that now Republicans are trying to sort of do some revisionist history on. You know, in this white nationalist hearing, Louis Gohmert said, isn't it isn't that a hoax that the president said that about Charlottesville? So uh, we've got the tape. I know. I know. Like this is a this is a huge movement on the right to say it's a hoax. But yeah, he said that in the lobby of Trump Tower as a candidate. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, And so like a David Duke, right? I mean, they... exactly. I mean, certainly these people think that, uh, you know, that the president is sort of wink winking at them. I mean, you know, the we, fact we... that he doesn't condemn them outright, they see that as. Exactly. I mean, we saw the Department of Homeland Security get rid of a program that was meant to prevent radicalization of uh, potential white nationalist terrorists. Um, do you... <laughs> uh, I just the fact that this goes on and. I mean, which it's accompanied, isn't it, by a rise in the number of reported hate crimes in this? Oh, exactly. I mean, huge jump. That's why I guess Jerry Nadler had this hearing for one reason. Exactly. And so so they had this whole hearing on white nationalism, House Judiciary Committee. And I I think what was disappointing for some people was that the, the Republicans on the committee seemed very unwilling to engage with the witnesses from, you know, the Anti-Defamation League, these other experts. And they essentially brought in their own experts who existed just to say, you know, the real problem is Ilhan Omar. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that I found disturbing in all this was the Southern Poverty Law Center, wasn't that mm-hmm. the name of which has been the organization everybody turned to following extremist groups for decades, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what happened to Morris Dees? That's a great question. I mean, you know, we saw... It, Who was the head of it for so long? Exactly. Right? And so so then they essentially fired him a few weeks ago. And, you know, apparently yeah, there was a lot was, of apparently legitimate internal issues in terms of, I, I, I guess, how he treated women and how he treated uh, people of color. Uh, so so, so I, I think a lot more seem, needs to come out about that. But at the same time, you know, on one hand, it's it's good to see the Southern Poverty Law Center cleaning house. On the other, they're kind of, it seems like they're in some level of disarray at, at a kind of key point. Yeah, I think the, to me, the danger was that whatever problems there were with Mars D's, that it could negatively reflect on the work that they've done in exposing these hate groups over the years. And certainly we've seen their critics on the right. And I think that right. still stands. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, absolutely. I mean, we've seen their critics on the right really jump on this as, you know, the, right. the Southern Poverty Law Center is a, a scam saying all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, which is not the conclusion we ought to be. You've mentioned a couple of times Pizzagate. I don't want to take, uh, I don't want to assume that all of our uh, viewers and listeners remember or know what Pizzagate was all about. So maybe you could. Absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm so deep in this stuff. You I know. know. <laughs> I know. Sure. So uh, back... before you do that, I just have to ask you, I mean, How's your sanity? Having, <laughs> you spend all your time <laughs> on QAnon sites and, and these yeah. radical you know, websites? Yeah, it, it's a lot. I, I come from a really Republican background in Texas. So I, I grew up uh, with like a high tolerance for, you know, watching Fox News, listening to Rush Limbaugh all the time. And that's how I got into this stuff. So, mm-hmm. But so you okay? I'm, I'm okay for the most part. You know, sometimes I have, uh, for example, I was trying to figure out who was behind QAnon, and I felt like I kind of had my conspiracy theory moment of my own. It was sort of like, you know, of course, you follow the money, all that. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it can certainly get interesting. I hope you, uh, you have some way to get out of it, like <laughs> reading comic books or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, 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 I take some breaks. Uh, okay. But in terms of Pizzagate, Pizzagate um, yeah. in the 2016 election, actually this ties into the Russian email hack because after John Podesta's emails came out, 
people, you know, the, these people on Reddit, and as it turned out, a lot of Russian trolls, they were combing through the Podesta emails, and they saw these references to pizza. So it would be like, John Podesta is like, you know, we're having a campaign event, let's order 50 pizzas or whatever. So these trolls online became convinced that pizza was a code word for essentially like a sex traffic child. And they keyed in on Comet Ping Pong, which of course is a restaurant and the John it's, Pitt- it's, I think it's, it's uh, I know Comet well. I think it's still in D.C. It's just short of the circle. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so it's right. within it's D- almost D.C. right next to politics and prose. Exactly. And so basically, these internet trolls became convinced that Comet Ping Pong had a child sex dungeon, and Hillary Clinton and John Podesta were hanging out there. So then, you know, th- this this movement kind of picks up steam. We saw Alex Jones of Infowars really promoting it. And then in December 2016, a fellow from North Carolina shows up with a gun, says he's going to rescue the kids, fire some shots. Uh, but this stuff is really still continuing. I mean, we saw a couple months ago a fellow showed up and uh, basically tried to burn the building down, allegedly. Uh, you know, he set a fire. And so, you know, since the – Yeah, so this was this was in 2019. Whoa. Whoa, I don't know how I missed that. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, you know, that's still being litigated. Uh, but, I mean, he was charged, and it's and it's that kind of stuff that, that this idea, I think it's kind of faded from the public consciousness, but it's still very much alive with a certain segment of the Trump base and, and you know, s- s- some dangerous people. Right. And the restaurant is still there. Um, exactly. Right. But, um, so, what what is the alt-right's, um, role in, or do you think what are they saying about the Mueller report? Well, you know, it, 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 this Let's is kind of what I'm on today. You know, exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be keyed in on this. So, uh, you know, I, I I think the certainly the Trump base and and the the right in general has been. I mean, this has been things have been laid out on Fox News and with Sean Hannity for a while in terms of you know don't trust this report. This whole thing is corrupt. I mean, we see the president reference this in his tweets about 17 angry Democrats, right, which is a reference to the, to the people the, on Mueller's team. On Mueller's team, right. So, I mean, it, I think whatever well, the, happens here. There cops. The, exactly. Yeah. And, I, I mean, so much of it has gone down these rabbit holes about, you know, like the, these otherwise little known characters like Nellie Orr and Bruce Orr and like, uh, you know, uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. But I mean, these, these are household names to people who are watching Fox News primetime every night. And, and you know, they have so many reasons to think these people have been discredited. So, I mean, I, I think whatever happens in the report today, it could be incredibly damning for the president. I don't think, you know, the that kind of hardcore 30 percent Trump base is going to care. Right. But they're going to see they'll they'll see some conspiracy links here. Right. Oh, That's absolutely. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, everything between um, but, but conspiracies against Trump. I mean, conspiracies among you know, Mueller and Rosenstein or whomever. And right? Fusion GPS and, you know, all, all that stuff. It's such a complicated web in terms of the way it's been laid out, uh, you, you know, with all this talk about the deep state. It, it, interesting that you mentioned uh, Fusion GPS because apparently uh, I, I read that, again, we don't we haven't seen the report. Uh, we're not going to see the full report today. But it's, it is going to talk about Christopher Steele and the, and the dossier. I think we're all we're all very curious to hear about the dossier. Absolutely, um, and and you know I, I think the next step here is in terms of Republicans and in terms of like really the hardcore Trump base is they want they want revenge essentially. You know they want prosecutions of people like Christopher Steele, of the Fusion GPS people, of uh, you know maybe Comey or or these FBI agents. I mean that's the thing we've seen uh, the Republicans on the House Judiciary. They Committee. want an investigation of the investigation of the investigation. Exactly, right? exactly. I mean the way they look at it is it's sort of like you, you know how passionate people like uh, Chris, Christopher Steele or these FBI investigators were 
uh, to investigate Trump. And they say, you know, this was a setup. On the other hand, you know, if you actually thought Trump was in the league with the Russians, you'd probably be pretty, you know, agitated about it as well. And that's kind of the side that I think they don't see. What we've seen that the FBI, start, I mean, the, the, the origins of this investigation go back to Carter Page long before Trump even announced for president, right? I mean, like a decade ago, the right, FBI I mean, had information that Carter Page was playing footsie with some Russians. And he was, again, long before he was affiliated with Donald Trump and they started investigating him. Then he shows up in the Trump campaign having more contacts with Russians. And Same thing with Paul Manafort, right? I mean, he, he was on yeah, the FBI's right. watch list way before Trump ever announced. And so it's. I think there's a lot of open questions, and hopefully the report will help settle some of them. Well, you know, there are a lot of these crazies out there, um, Will, and I, I guess we're glad that you're keeping track of them <laughs> so we don't have to, but uh, it's pretty scary stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it can be disturbing. And, you know, especially how often we see these white nationalist plots that just get foiled at the last minute or, as we saw in New Zealand, don't get foiled. So, uh, you know, it, it's something that pops up, I think, with increasing regularity. Right. Are, 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 they, are, are law enforcement monitoring these sites as closely as you do? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they are. I, I think the question is how seriously our politicians are taking it and, and really the people at, at the top of the government, at the top of Homeland Security. All right. Well, keep doing what you're doing. All right. Better you than me. <laughs> Will Summer with uh, The Daily Beast, thedailybeast.com. Uh, meanwhile, with all of this going on in the 2020 campaign building up, what is the DNC doing about it? They've established a new war room uh, and the director of the DNC war room. Adrian Watson joins us next here on The Bill Press Show. Quick break. Thank you, Will. Quick Thank break, you. and we'll be right back. The latest member of the Young Turks Network, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And here we are on this Thursday, April 18. Uh, welcome back, everybody. The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital. And joining you uh, all across this great country of ours, online, on the radio, and on television. We come to you live from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters, those brave men and women of our firefighting departments all across the country under the leadership of President Harold Shateberger on the front lines protecting American families every day. Uh, they never let us down, and we thank them for their great work and their support of the program. Check out their website at IAFF.org. Uh, the here with us from the DNC and the director of the new war room, expanded war room at the DNC, very important for the 2020 election and uh, just generally uh, to um, provide uh, the truth to all the lies we're hearing from the Trump White House, Adrian Watson. Adrian, welcome. Nice to see you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming in. Uh, just to put things in perspective, uh, Attorney General Bill Barr, uh, we'll be holding a news conference a little less than an hour from now where he is going to talk about the release of the redacted Mueller report, which we are going to see um, will be released to Congress and to the public, we're told, by uh, about 11.30 to noon East Coast time. Now, if you don't think the fix is in... Uh, meaning the Bill Barr is giving his spin of the report before it's released. If you don't think the fix is in, let me read you Donald Trump's latest tweet just five minutes ago. Quote, 
Attorney General William Barr's press conference today at 9.30 a.m. Watch on Fox News. Adrian, why would the president (laughs) of the United States be promoting the attorney general's news conference? And he's the first one to to talk about them having the press conference in the first place. Right. He's the one who announced it in the first place. Yeah. They have this process where, you know, first they release the letter and then they have a press conference. And then a couple hours later, they give us the report and give it to the Hill on CD-ROMs. And then, you know. Well, sooner or later, it's Easter. And, that you know, that that's their system is they're trying to bury the news. They're trying to make it hard. Well, so clearly, if the president is saying you got to watch Bill Barr's news conference, he knows what Bill Barr is going to say. Yep. He knows Bill Barr is going to clear him. Yep. Right. Yep. Certainly say nothing critical. Otherwise, Donald Trump went up. I mean, so, again, it's clear the fix is in. Yeah, this is not a press conference for people who are looking for facts. This is a press conference where the Trump administration gets the opportunity to spin as much of the report as as possible before we actually see it. And they, you know, they are assuming that people across the country are, uh, are you know, they're they're undermining their intelligence, right? Because they're assuming that they can say some, you know, they'll say no collusion, that's it, and then you know they think that we won't look at the report. But the the whole reason that we had the uh, special counsel investigation in the first place is because uh, the American people can't trust uh, Trump and his, you know, minions to uh, to deliver uh, the truth on this. And um, A.G. Uh, Barr's you know conduct has been no different. So, right. you know, all, all we're saying here is that we want to see the report, we want to see the full report, and we uh, we want to hear from Mueller. Right. Uh, the question about the. Um, um, what this uh, news conference is all about uh, was raised yesterday, of course, by Chairman um, Jerry Nadler, chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we hearing, he said, from uh, why, why is Barr doing this? Here's the chairman yesterday. The fact that the attorney general is not releasing even the redacted reports to Congress until after his press conference will again result in the report being presented through his own words rather than through the words of special counsel Mueller. Right. So first is the four-page summary, his letter yeah. to Congress, where even according to Robert Mueller's associates, he really gilded the lily and makes it appear a lot more positive yeah. for, and decides unilaterally that he's not going to charge the president with obstruction of justice. So even after that, now, even before releasing the report, He's holding a news conference to put, as you say, his best spin on the report. And they're yeah. talking to each other about it. You know, it, it's and very clear that they've briefed the White House now, which is something that I can't imagine in any other administration. Right. Uh, as reported first, I think by ABC News or in New York Times, um, one of the two yesterday, uh, the Mueller results were previewed for the White House. Uh, they were over there briefing Rudy Giuliani and the president's other attorneys on exactly what the report is going to say before they released it. Yep, yeah, they're giving them the maximum amount of time to come up with the talking points and, and the most spin that they can to push back on this before we've even been able to take a look at it. And it was uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, chair of the House Banking Committee yesterday, who I think sort of best summed up the what what Bill Barr's role is 
for Donald Trump. The idea that this is an independent attorney general, uh, forget about it. Uh, here is a I got That's Congresswoman. That's all it's got to be. That's all it's got to be. Disgusted uh, because I knew uh, that once he came out and he said there had been no obstruction of justice and that there had been no collusion, that he absolutely stepped out early to defend the president, to protect the president. I don't expect any reversal of that. I expect him to continue to play the role. He is basically a lackey and a sycophant for the president of the United States of America, and that's all it's going to be. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's why he's there, right? Oh, yeah. I, you know, there's this pattern of behavior, I think, within the Trump administration that's always been there of uh, of kind of going around the law and disrespecting the law. And you would think, you know, as Attorney General Bill Barr's job is is to uphold the law. But what he's doing in uh, in every case here, we've seen, you know, his partisan letter. We saw uh, his, uh, uh, you know, briefing of the White House b- before he should have. Uh, Now we see this press conference. You know, we're all asking, why wouldn't Mueller be the one at the press conference? (laughs) You know, why wouldn't you want to hear from someone who actually did the investigation, right? Right. Uh, Not to mention, you know, that these guys, uh, you know, back in 2016 and and beyond were were complaining about Comey saying, how could he possibly hold a press conference uh, about something that did not result in in a criminal charge? Uh, that's not becoming of the of the office. Uh, you know, that's what they said when they wanted to get rid of of Comey. And then now, you know, look at what's happening. Well, uh, let me just uh, underscore that by pointing out that the person who wrote that memo or that letter for the president charging Comey with violating procedures by holding a press yeah. conference when he shouldn't have was Rod Rosenstein. Yeah. Rod Rosenstein, who will be holding this news conference today yeah. with Bill Barr. Right Again, how many times can I say it? The fix is in. I mean, it's very, very clear. This it's is- clear, and it, it's it's so insulting to Americans and people who, even even people who voted for him. You know, everyone has the ability to make judgments for themselves, and if the report says, you know, what they what they say it is, uh, then they shouldn't have any problem with us looking at it. All right. So tell us about the war room at the DNC. What's this all about? Yeah. So the war room is. Um, it, it's really exciting. It's a research and rapid response operation. Uh, it's about 25 researchers, a lot Whoa. of, yeah, it's big, a lot of press folks um, and, and mobilization. Um, you know, we have, I, I truly believe, the best Trump team in politics, especially um, on the research end, because our team began on the Clinton campaign in 2016 uh, on Trump before anybody else had, right? And they, they haven't given up since. They they know more about Donald Trump and everybody associated with Donald Trump than uh, than, than anyone I know, at least. Um, and we have these incredible archives uh, of lawsuits and rallies and so much more. But what we're doing now with this expansion is we are taking the fight uh, against Trump. We had been so focused on, um, on reporters and operatives uh, through the midterms, but now, you know, we're in cycle and we are focused on battleground states and uh, taking two people where they get their news now, which is, you know, a lot of local news, a lot of radio, uh, the way that Trump's policies have hurt them. So it's not just that he's broken promises, it's that his presidency has, has hurt their lives personally. Uh, and so, you know, when Trump goes to uh, to 
Lordstown, Ohio. We, uh, we, we will pull everything that Trump promised the last time he was there and put that on, you know, billboards and in ads and show people uh, what he promised. You know, no factory will, will leave. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be jobs. And then what happened? Um, and we found that it's so much more impactful when it's, uh, you know, something that people can relate to personally because it's about the place they're from. It's so much more impactful when it says, you know, 30 percent of people in Hamilton County, Indiana, you know, now know that their pre-existing condition protections could be lost. Uh, so we're doing a lot of that. Right. So on healthcare, on jobs or yeah. education, whatever. All of the know. above, but especially on healthcare, especially yeah. on jobs. You know, people want to know how Trump has hurt their their livelihoods. Um, very, very important to get that information out there. I have to ask you about. Uh, oh, so on the among those issues, um, Trump taxes. Yep. Uh, a lot of attention to it. this is tax week, right? Yep, it's tax week. Bernie Sanders released ten years of his tax returns. Several of the other candidates, if not most of the Democratic candidates, have released various numbers of years of their tax returns. Yeah. Uh, which raises a focus on. Yeah, exactly. When are we going to see Donald Trump's tax returns, and why won't he release them? Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I, we did a poll at the DNC recently that showed, you know, people are, um, you know, very aware that Trump's tax returns are just going to show uh, how much he's benefited from these policies uh, that he that he passed last year as part of the tax bill, uh, which is even more maddening when you compare it to your own return, right? And you say, I didn't, I didn't get anything, and you know, the president's gotten these breaks so much so that he he hasn't paid taxes at all in some years. Uh, you know, we want those tax returns. We I think people deserve to see them. It, it's a basic fundamental part of uh, being a public servant. Uh, so, you know, the the fight continues to see those. But really, we're we're focusing more than anything on on your own tax returns. Right. And how 80 percent of the benefits from this tax law have gone to the the top one percent, um, the the changes that anyone's seeing in their tax return are so minimal com- compared to what these corporations and the wealthiest of Americans uh, have gotten. And that's that's a decision Trump made, and it's affecting you. Now, I know this is not your uh, basic responsibility at the <laughs> DNC, yeah. but what's the latest on the debate, the debates, first couple of debates? We know the date, dates are set, right? Yeah. So the first couple of debates, uh, the, the dates... Uh, have not been, uh, I, I guess the dates for the first yeah. two debates have come out, and then we've announced the locations for the first two debates. Uh, June, June and July. Yeah, and exactly. Miami and Detroit. Exactly. And yeah. so we're going to have six debates in 2019 and six debates in 2020. You know, our top priority throughout these debates has been to have a process that is fair and transparent, that people feel like uh, the DNC, you know, held up, up to our role of being a, uh, the custodian of the process and um, and gave every candidate a fair shot and most importantly got the debates uh, in front of as many people as possible in America because we want uh, for candidates to be able to share their vision. We've got this wealth of candidates who have, uh, you know, incredible ideas. We have the deepest bench you can possibly imagine, right? <laughs> right. And, and we want Americans to get to know know these candidates. Uh, and the first debate will be on uh, NBC and MSNBC and Univision. That's, that's, uh, on Telemundo. Telemundo. Yeah, I, yeah I exactly. No. Telemundo, thank yeah. you. Uh, from uh, Miami. Uh-huh. And then uh, the second debate from Detroit. Yeah. Uh, and they'll be both two nights in a row. Yep. 
uh, will be on CNN. Yeah, right? which is the first time ever, so remember. We, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, two nights in a row, unlike the Republican debates exactly. where you have one hour and then another, followed by another hour. Uh, do we know yet who is qualified for the debates and who hasn't? So we're going to announce two weeks before the debates who has qualified, who hasn't. There's two ways to qualify for the debate stage, right? You're either uh, polling above 1% in, in three or more polls uh, determined mm-hmm. by the DNC, or you've hit this new grassroots fundraising threshold. Of 65,000 uh, yeah. donors? And yeah. a lot of candidates have announced you know, so far whether they individually have reached that, uh, but we will not be able to certify and determine that until two weeks prior. Two weeks before, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. and there's 20 spots. So. Okay, and there are 20 spots. So yeah. who decides... Who gets up on uh, on the first day, the first night, and who's on the second night? So, uh, you know, one thing that Tom Perez feels really strongly about is that we shouldn't have a, a varsity and a JV uh, mm-hmm. uh, debate. Um, so, one thing that we have mandated is that it will be random selection to determine whether you're the first night or the second night who you're up against. Pull the names out of a hat. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, I don't. I don't think we've announced the mechanism yet for the. Uh, you know, there's a lot of jokes about Dick Vitale or someone. You know, doing the big, yeah. the big announcement. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that we'll do that, but we we should have an announcement soon. Okay. Um, why did the DNC? Uh, veto any debate on Fox News? Well, you know, look, we believe that it is valuable for uh, for Democrats to appear on Fox. We, uh, you know, the DNC itself, the, our, our party chair goes on all the time. Uh, we, you know, think it's up to the candidates whether they go on Fox, whether they do a town hall. Uh, you know, we want to reach Fox's viewers, and we think that's really important. However, the debates are a really sacred uh, part of the democratic process, and you know, at this point, it would be uh, it would be irresponsible for us to give uh, you know control of a debate to an entity that has become, uh, for all intents and purposes, an arm of the candidate who who are who our nominee is going to run against, right? Um, so, you know, we, we certainly don't have a problem with anyone going on Fox. Everyone should make their own decisions about it. Uh, we think it's valuable to go on, but this is a really, really important thing. It's a sacred part of our process and we don't feel comfortable with it. Uh, there's no, uh, you're, I, I get, get, grant your point. There's no doubt that Fox News is an, is the, basically an arm of the Trump White House, yeah, right? I mean, exactly. no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, uh, as you point out, there are a lot of people watching Fox and a lot of people that the Democratic Party might have to reach or would have to reach, right? Yep. Um, uh, and there was evidence of that today, the uh, full-page ads, I'm sure you've seen, uh, about the viewership of Bernie Sanders' town hall on Fox the other night, the most watched town hall. Uh, and it shows that that town hall with Bernie Sanders Monday night mm-hmm. got 2.6 million viewers. When Bernie Sanders had a town hall on CNN, he got 1.3 million viewers, one half of what he got on Fox. And as we've shown the last couple of days, he was actually pretty warmly greeted by the crowd. Yeah, that was great, in the wasn't town it? Hall, right? Yeah. But he talked about. Right. Single payer even. Of course. Medicare for all. All the Democrats supported. Bernie supports 
the most progressive, if you will, or the most far left version of it, sing yeah. total single payer, and and they were applauding him. But what's also interesting is that so, in terms of the audiences, Kamala Harris got two million for her town hall on CNN, mm-hmm. but then in third place was Howard Schultz yeah. on Fox News with one point two million. So uh, I guess the point is. Um, there are a lot of eyeballs there. There are right, a lot to of capture. eyeballs. Yeah. And so do you think that not having a debate on Fox will end up hurting the candidates? Uh, you know, I, I think that it is our role to be the uh, custodians of this process and to ensure that it is transparent and fair. And we just can't ensure that with Fox, which is why we can't have a debate there. That being said, you know, these candidates have so many other options to go on Fox and really, like, one thing I've learned in this debate process as we've gone through it is, uh, you know, there are so many other options now that have never been used before for d- debates, whether it's, you know, live streaming on um, on all kinds of different platforms, uh, you know, a dig- a, an all-digital debate or, um, you know, there's lo- you know, there's local radio you can do everywhere. Um, and, and there's ways to work all of these into the debate. So, you know, I, I hear the criticism, uh, but, but I, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's on us to ensure this process is right. And that's what we think. Uh, and as you point out, uh, the DNC has no problem with other people, with the candidates making that decision to mm-hmm. appear on Fox. Yeah. Um, just as the chairman himself does. Uh, and uh, we know also that uh, we're told that Amy Klobuchar and... Has well, actually, she has agreed to a debate on Fox uh, um, Town Hall on May eight, and Pete Buttigieg and Julian Castro are reportedly very close to signing up for their own town hall, and I think um, Kirsten Gillibrand and a couple of others are also talking to them. So yeah. we're going to see more of the Democratic candidates. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we will. You know, on, on Fox, what is, you know, there was a lot of criticism from myself included. Uh, those of us who supported Bernie Sanders in the 2016 primary, uh, that the DNC tilted toward one candidate in the primary and not the other. What's the DNC doing this time to make sure that uh, you don't face the same, that oh, you yeah. are fi- total fair level playing field for all, what are there, 19 now or 18 candidates? It's a lot of candidates. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, you know, we started in December. We rolled out a, a policy for, for our own staff, and it just said, you know, restated the role of the DNC in this process and uh, and required that staffers, you know, staffers can't uh, have have favorites. You can't be uh, giving money to one candidate. You can't be posting on social media about one candidate. Uh, so, so we established from the start that this was going to be a very different process. So are as- the resources of the DNC available in terms of information, research, whatever it is, yeah. uh, to every candidate? Uh, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you asked that because... Uh, you know, we're we're doing all these things to stay neutral, but that doesn't mean that we can't be helpful to to all the candidates, right? So we we have them in um, the campaigns in, and uh, you know we go over the the things that are available to them now, which is you know a wealth of stuff, including uh, you know voter file access and, and so much more. Uh, so you know we feel like we've found a sweet spot where we uh, are informing everybody of things at the same time. We have established just a culture at the DNC. Of uh, of of uh, neutrality that I think people are really proud of. They're proud to be a part of something that gives puts faith back into our system because you know at the end of the day, uh, having a favorite in this process doesn't help anybody because it just uh, 
you know, discredits the process writ large, right? And it makes people not have faith in, in our party. Right. Uh, it was reported last week that uh, Donald Trump has raised and and or base has raised like thirty million in the first quarter and has forty million dollars in the bank. Are Democrats ever going to be able to compete with that kind of money? It, I look, it is a lot of money. Uh, but I, I mean, I am really heartened by seeing the donations that our candidates are getting. Right. Uh, you know, we had this threshold of sixty five thousand uh, individual donations people had to get uh, to, to qualify there for the debate in large part because we wanted to encourage people to uh, to make these campaigns that that interact with grassroots and grassroots fundraisers and build an army instead of just going to the same mm-hmm. uh, the same Democratic donors they've always relied on. And, uh, you know, the filing for the FEC, I think, was April 15th. And the numbers that we got out of that were huge. I mean, these candidates are raising incredible amounts of money right now. Right. Uh, so, so you know, we'll, we'll be in good shape. No, it's interesting to see. They have um, really revolutionized the whole um, fundraise, dem- uh, political contribution process, right? Yeah. Oh, with, yeah. With small donors, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's very, very, very impressive. And it's great to see the DNC so uh, aggressive, so active, and so uh, present in this uh, 2020 campaign already, even at the early stages. Thanks, Adrian, for coming in. Thank you for having our me. Our best to uh, Chairman and all of our good friends over there. And you can follow the work of the DNC and be part of it by going to Democrats.org. Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.